0: I am going to ask you to turn to Ephesians 3. I know that this has been the source text of which we've sprung all of our uh, teaching through these dispensations off of. But because of the nature of what we're dealing with today in the dispensation of the church, it's important that we see this because Ephesians 3 is the great revealer of what exactly we're talking about, the present dispensation that we live in now. There's probably a tendency to go back through and to think about the first five dispensations that we've seen we've dealt with innocence we've dealt with conscience we've dealt with the call for expansion we've dealt with the promise that was given to Abraham we've dealt with the idea of the law that was given to Israel of which by living that way they were going to be a beacon to the nations and now today the sixth dispensation we're dealing with the church When we see this, this is relevant material for us now, today. In fact, ever since the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, this has been our dispensation. It's been 2,000 years long. Each one has varied time, but dispensation really has nothing to do with time except each dispensation occurs in time, if that makes sense. So yes, you can gauge it for so long, but we're not going to sit here and say, well, each dispensation has to be a 1,000 or 2,000 years, and that's how they work. That's not how they work. So we'll discuss that in a second. Look what Paul says here. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the... What is it? Stewardship. What's the word? The dispensation. If you've heard of the dispensation of God's grace, which was given to me, that's Paul, for you, that's Gentiles and Jews together in a brand new thing, that by revelation, this is how Paul got his information. That's not the book of Revelation. That means that the Holy Spirit has revealed it to Paul. Remember, Paul is operating without a New Testament. That's important to understand. So everything he's pulling from is either A going to be Old Testament expounded upon as the revelation in real time has progressed, or B, the Holy Spirit is going to be provoking him as he did the other writers of the New Testament, to be writing these things down of what he would have us to know in that time. So, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, a mystery. Trivia question. What is a mystery? If you give me a Scooby-Doo answer, leave, okay? (laughs) Go get some coffee. something that wasn't revealed previously but God has an intended time. At this point, I'm going to let you know what it is. It's as his progression, sorry, his revelation progresses over time. He wants us to know specific things at specific times. If we opened our Bibles and we noticed that all of it is just Genesis 1 and he's going to tell us everything about himself in that one chapter, our minds would all explode. We couldn't handle it. So he's leading us along in how we need to understand him, how we need to understand ourselves, how we need to understand sin, and what his plan for the world is in light of those things. The mystery has always been true, but he chooses to reveal it at certain times. He said that he's written about it in brief, referring to this. We can understand his insight into this, that he has a special understanding from God about it. In other generations, this is the past dispensations. It was not made known to the sons of men. Now this is important. Everybody put it together for me. Here we go. What is the the dispensation that's been made known to Paul? What is it? The dispensation of the? The church. Now here's what he just told you. In other generations it was not made known. The Old Testament never speaks to the church. 39 books of the Old Testament They don't bring the church up at all. We see that God's ultimate plan is to reach the Gentiles. Gentiles are everyone, the nations, who are not Jewish people. So his ultimate goal in history was, it's not just going to be working with Israel, but through Israel, my desire is to work with the world. And so what you have all of a sudden is, the Jews finally come face to face with the greatest understanding that they could ever have of God and His Word in the person of Jesus Christ. And you would think, yay! Things are going to get rolling. This is going to be amazing. And when He shows up, He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Why? Because the King is here. But instead of accepting Him, enthroning Him and crowning Him and bowing down before Him, they decide that they're going to kill Him. And when they kill Him, He turns away from them. And he brings in this brand new entity that no one ever expected. And that's us. Isn't that fun? Nobody expected us and here we are. Well, why are you here? Because God wanted you here. This is why we are told, and everybody that needs to hear this part is probably not here. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as some are in the habit of doing. Why is that? Because the dispensation of the church is so important in connecting God's previous dealings with Israel and unraveling into God's future dealings with Israel. It's all important, and we play a significant point in history for God's purposes. Notice it was revealed by the holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, what is it? The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body of Christ, And we are partakers of the promise in Christ through, it comes through, hearing the gospel. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the reasons why you're a believer is because somebody took the time to explain the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to you. God loves you so much that he gave his son on the cross to die for your sins in your place. He was a substitute He sent you aside and instead took all of the wrath of God against sin upon himself. And because he is perfect and sinless, he was able to die perfectly and sinlessly, or sorry, sinfully, if you want to be honest, for our sins so that we could receive his righteousness and be absolutely free people. So when sin and guilt and shame are all bogging us down, recognize one thing. That is not from the Lord, and according to the Word of God, we should no longer even speak to those terms anymore because we are a people who have been rescued out from under that bondage and have been set in the heavenly stratosphere alongside Christ and set absolutely free from those things. Satan's greatest guise is to think that we are in bondage or somehow we still owe God when we do not. We do not. Why do we not owe God? Didn't he save us? Yes, he did. But he's not waiting to get some sort of transaction from us in order to give us the thumbs up. The deal has been done. Jesus Christ did it all. And so because of that, we live in grace, not in guilt. It's all about him. It's not about us. So in doing that, it comes through the gospel. Notice that Paul was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, given to him the working of his power. He's the very least of all the saints. The grace was given to preach to the Gentiles praise the Lord, us, the unfathomable riches of Christ. And to bring to light, what is the administration? It's the word dispensation. I still don't understand why the New King James translates that fellowship. It's not the word for fellowship. It's dispensation. The stewardship of the mystery for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. For all time it's been true. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now presently be made known through the who? Us. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That is not Joe Biden. Okay? Don't get political on me. I don't care about that stuff. You guys know I don't care about that stuff. But that's not the world leader's. These are spiritual leaders. These are demonic leaders who are over these nations and have been given control of them. Through the church, God is preaching a message rooted in Christ that lasts beyond the natural and goes into the supernatural. That's why we're here. If we don't know all that we know about the Word of God, let us never say it was for lack of trying. Because one of our goals here as the body of Christ of Grace Bible Church is to give you all the information and edification that you would possibly need so that the only excuse that is left for not growing in your relationship with the Lord is simply one thing. I didn't want to. That's it. That the only thing that should keep us from coming into greater realizations of all that has been done for us in Christ and how that preaches to not just the nations but also into the heavens is the idea of I had a hardened heart or I set up a roadblock or I had an attitude about it. That's it. What that does is that gets us off the hook for any responsibility that we have because we're faithfully discharging the ministry. My goal is to equip y'all for the work of the ministry. That's what I'm supposed to do. So if the work of the ministry doesn't get done... It doesn't need to fall blame on me as long as I am upholding my calling by the Lord to preach and teach faithfully. Why does it matter? Heavenly places. Something eternal is always going on in the realm of the church. This was in accordance with the... There it is. Eternal purpose which was carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. So this is why today is incredibly important And I think I have enough time to get through it because I think I have like 51 slides for you guys. It's good. We're going to have fun. It's all right. If you're a serious student of the Bible, I would encourage you get a Schofield reference Bible or a Schofield study Bible. There's been a lot of bad things that have been said about the study Bible over the years from people who do not believe that Jesus Christ is going to literally come back to the earth and reign for a thousand years. That should tell you enough of why you shouldn't listen to those people. But what I think is important about this, especially if you look at your handout that I gave you, I want you to notice that at the very top I've given you a definition of a dispensation on that page. A dispensation is a period of time during which man is tested in respect of obedience to some specific revelation of the will of God. And I want you to note that Oxford University Press are the ones who published this. They did so in the early 1900s and they decided to renew the copyright all this time doing so as recently as 1996. Obviously, those are not dumb people, and they think that this Bible has some sort of worth. So I would encourage you, pick up a copy of that because it is gold. The pattern for a dispensation is number one, responsibility. God, ruling over all things, being the creator of all things, wants to entrust something to mankind. There's something to be done. The problem is, is because we're not just sinners by action, but we're sinners by person. We are intrinsically sinful because we have a sin nature. So at some point, we're going to mess it up, okay? Now, that's bad that we do that. Sometimes we get in the humdrums about that, but let's be honest. Let's stop being surprised that we sin. Being surprised that we sin or other people sin keeps us from extending grace to those people that have sin, picking them up and building them up in the midst of those things. So let's come to terms with our sin and recognize this is just a continual need of the Savior, and praise God by His grace, He makes that available. Also, there is a judgment. Why? Because God God has to judge sin, period. He would be absolutely contrary to himself, and he wouldn't be God anymore if he didn't judge sin, so he's got to. The cross is a judgment for sin. He has to take care of that situation. But there is always the grace of God, the undeserved favor that he wants to show on the other side in some way. His graciousness is always displayed after judgment. Every dispensation fits this pattern. So to give you an example of what we saw last time, the responsibility and the dispensation of the law, Israel is to live in fellowship with Yahweh Elohim. Keep my statutes, keep my commandments. Why? To be saved? Absolutely not. In order to have greater intimacy with your God, construct your life around His expectations and precepts. Fear God, keep His commandments. Doing so draws the nations. Does everybody remember this Deuteronomy 4? If you will keep these things in the land, everybody's going to come up and say, what are the nations like this? Who else has a God like this? These they have the most righteous rules and standards we've ever seen. Wow, their entire nation is just simply beautiful to look at, and its entire community of encouragement towards these things to know the Lord. The problem was is that Israel was not faithful in their responsibility in doing that. So, what is the failure? Well, ultimately Israel came into idolatry. Okay, and just so we know, that's bad. Okay, ultimately they killed the promised Messiah. Because they wouldn't live up to it. In fact, you'll see later on in the prophets, when the prophets are calling Israel to task, you've allowed for the nations to profane my name. Why should they trust me when you don't trust me? That witness was absolutely ruined by their behavior. What is the judgment? They were dispersed from the land. The destructions of those who killed the landowner's son, if you remember that, we looked at it. He actually says, we're going to read this in a second. Your house has made you desolate. And what is the grace? Well, salvation has come to us. Because they've done that, God has done something interesting with Israel. We're going to see that. And now salvation has come to the Gentiles, but he's always preserved a remnant. Israel will be saved in the end. So this brings us to the fifth dispensation of the church. First, let's understand the transition. How do we get from law to church? And what I'm going to ask is for you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 23. First book of the New Testament. You got a lot of scripture to look at today. If it gets a little overwhelming, just write it down. You can go back over the video later. But I ask you just to follow along so you can see these things. Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. This is Jesus' plain, flat, as clear as could be pronunciation of judgment against the Jewish people because of their unbelief and their desire to plot and conspire to kill him. He says here, verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, because that's what they did when they were met with truth in, in the Old Testament times. Here comes a prophet. Let's kill him. And stones those who are sent to her. How often, now watch this. Notice the pleading heart of Christ. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. And you were what? unwilling. If you're somebody who writes in your Bible, I encourage you to just jot right there in small letters, personal responsibility. The only reason why Israel did not receive the kingdom that Jesus was there promising to give to them if they would simply repent and believe in their king is because they refused to take the personal responsibility of bowing themselves before him in his coming. Well, he's not what we expected. Well, he's not doing what we wanted. Good grief, that sounds like first century, or it sounds like twenty first century church to me. Well, Jesus isn't working my way, so I'm not going to trust him. His word didn't change. This is very intrinsically motivated. It's not looking at the Savior; it's looking at us. Notice what he says. How often I wanted to gather you as children together. The way a hen. Everybody see that? Isn't it interesting to see Jesus use feminine terms? The way a hen, he doesn't say a rooster. Notice that, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. Stay here. Be calm, be safe, be warm, be protected. You were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you, desolate, the house of Israel, desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say. You will not see me until you say. And if you've sat in in with studies with me, you know what this means. That's a clock. I hope. Okay? Maybe it's a pie chart. Uh, It's a clock. There. It's a clock. Um, What that is is timing language. There's going to come a time when Israel will again see them. You will not see me until you say, blessed is he. Who's he? Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of of the Lord who comes in the name of Yahweh until the Messiah returns. Now that's interesting because the house will be left desolate until the second coming. That's when Jesus returns and sets His foot down on the earth. We have timing for that. Now if you would take your New Testament, turn to Romans 11. The Jews reject their Messiah and this is what causes the event of the cross to take place in the way that it did. It would have taken place anyway, but the way that it did Yet he cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Dies for the sins of the world. Three days later is raised. And in relation to Israel, here's what we see. Forgive me. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. If you'll turn there, please. Romans 11, we looked at this a little bit last week. It's all about God's plan for Israel' future. And so if you will walk through and just take a look at what's going on in this. Just read through it on your own sometime you'll see a very interesting illustration that he gives about a tree of which natural branches are broken off and removed out of it, and wild olive branches are grafted into this tree. But if those wild olive branches become conceited at their lofty position that God has given them, guess what? God will break them off as well, and he's able to put the natural branches back in. It's an illustration of how God is working through the root of blessing, at any time in history, either with Israel or with the church. So keep that in mind as you go through there. Notice he says, For I do not want you, brethren, saved people, to be uninformed of this, what's our word? I don't want you to be ignorant Christians about what God may have kept concealed for a time, but is now revealing for us to understand. It's always been true so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. God, please rescue me from my thoughts. That's probably a good prayer to add to this. Here's what it is, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel. Right now, because of their rejection of the Messiah, Israel is in a state of partial hardening. They are being judged because of their killing of the Messiah when they had all the information in the world. Think about it. The Messiah, or the Pharisees were the ones who got together and came up with a plan to kill Jesus. Well, who knew more about the Old Testament Scriptures and the prophecy of the coming king than the Pharisees? See, just because you know a lot doesn't mean you're going to do something smart with it. That's very important to understand. These men decided that because they love the prestige, if he keeps on preaching, they're going to lead everybody away from us. Oh no, I might lose my position because God is going to exalt his son in that place. But they didn't want that. So what's the solution? Let's work out a deal. Let's write up a treaty. Maybe he'll bring us in. Maybe we should just accept him and be faithful. No, let's kill him. Let's put him on a cross. He needs to die because he's a threat. Think about how dangerous that is. So now there's a partial hardening that has happened to Israel, the nation, until, everybody see that? Until what time the fullness of the Gentiles has come in? God has got a plan to get the nations involved in what he wants to do. Praise God, because that's us. Now, one more passage in order to help with this. Turn back one book to Acts. Acts 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, number one. They're debating about if works are included in the Gospel, and they come to the conclusion no, and I praise God for that. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble for what they're asking for. But looking through this, you come to Peter giving a defense of this situation. And he makes a really interesting statement that nails down for us incredibly I don't know. I don't want to say it's succinct. It's just clear as can be about what God's trying to accomplish. Acts 15 look at verse 14. Simeon it's Peter, has related how God first concerned himself about taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. That's the church. That's what he's doing. The big debate they're having is, is, hey, we were witnessing to Jews. Jews are recognizing Jesus was our Messiah. They're coming to faith in Christ. They're becoming part of this brand new thing that God is doing called the church. And all of a sudden, somebody got a little crazy and started sharing the gospel with Gentiles of all people and then they believed and got saved and now we don't know what to do because all of our lives we've been trained and taught and lived as to hate those people and now they're our brothers and sisters in the Lord what in the world are we supposed to do God's eternal plan was always at some point in history to unveil this mystery of the church to bring Gentiles to be a people for his name So he's taking Jews who believe in Christ and Gentiles who believe in Christ and they're becoming part of the one new man known as the assembly, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. That's what we are. This is God's grand design. So this is how the shift happened. A rejection of the Messiah when he came the first time. The Jewish people put him to death rather than crowning him as king. In doing so, God has said, I will deal with you later. You are now in a position where you are being judged. You are partially hardened. It's more difficult for you now because of what you've done. You've had great revelation, and instead of responding in obedience, you responded with murder. And in doing so, I'm going to take a people, and they're going to be made up of Jews and Gentiles. That's going to blow your mind, and I'm going to give them some incredible blessings. Now, here's the dispensation of the church. What is the responsibility that is given to us? Let's talk about this real quick. I didn't make up a slide for it, but we need to talk about it. One of the greatest distinctions that we've ever seen about the church is the fact that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was placed upon people. David had the Holy Spirit upon him. Saul, for a time, had the Holy Spirit upon him. There are different times where God brings the Holy Spirit to rest upon people in order to accomplish something miraculous. The person that was given charge in building the tabernacle for the first time, the Holy Spirit rested upon them. I can't remember his name, uh, but if I could, I couldn't spell it. So it's okay. It's, It's one of those names. But what you find in the New Testament is something completely different. Now he's going to take the Holy Spirit and put it within people. So every person who's a believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit housed within them in order to bring them conviction about sin, to lead them in righteousness, to reassure them of their sealing, that God will always be ready to redeem them when the time comes we can never lose our salvation, because if that was the case, God would have to do, undo everything that he's done in the Holy Spirit. So this is a beautiful transition that shows us God's doing something different now than he was with the Jews. Another thing that we talked a lot about previously was the idea of spiritual gifts. Nobody in the Old Testament ever had spiritual gifts. And people who come to faith in Christ after the church is gone, they will not have spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts have been given for this time to be operated in ministry context now for effective use of what God would have us to do. Why? Because God gives us the gift. So God wants us to do God's work with his gift that he's given to us God's way. If we would just hold our hands up and say, I trust you in this, Lord, so much would be accomplished in doing that. It's a grand privilege that we've been given. But as far as the duties of responsibility have been given, those are blessings. What are the responsibilities that we have? What is the stewardship that has been given in the dispensation of the church? What should we be most concerned with? You know this one. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and... Make disciples of who? All nations. At that time, it included the Gentiles. Everybody see that? Praise God for that. I'm sure some of the Jews were like, mm, what, Lord? Some of them were reading the subtitles on it. I don't know. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Making disciples is what they were to be about. Notice this also. So when they'd come together, this is Acts 1, they were asking him, this is the 11, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now he had died, been buried, he'd been resurrected, he's been teaching them for 40 days on the kingdom before he ascends into the heaven. And they're asking him, are you going to restore this kingdom now, this whole thing you were preaching before? Look what he says. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs of which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but." You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, your home city, and in all Judea and Samaria, your region, and even to the remotest part of the earth, everywhere. Is it clear? Okay. What are the requirements? Number one, make disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? This is on the back of your handout if you want to look at it. To be a disciple, it's Bible-based teaching. It has to be Bible-based teaching. Okay? It's instruction and application passed on from believer to believer that encourages a change in obedient life. It's not that you need to know more than the next person. It's not that you need to have a Bible college degree or that you've gone to church for 20 years. It's simply the fact that you need to be willing to meet with somebody else who's a brother or sister in the Lord, cracking open the Word of God and pouring over it together so that both of you are built up asking the question, Lord, how do we apply this to our daily situation? Every believer is to disciple and be discipled. If you are not in a discipleship relationship, if you are not in some sort of study like that that is building into you so that you can grow, you have to ask yourself the question of whether or not you are being a faithful steward of the church dispensation. This is what God wants. This is what Christ commanded. The second thing is evangelism. Witnessing. Do we use the word witnessing anymore? Witnessing. Let's start using it. Witnessing to the lost about the substitutionary death and resurrection of Jesus Christ the need to respond in faith, in the impending judgment. Are we supposed to talk about judgment? Yes! It's close. It's not far. It could be for everyone. So this is what we're supposed to talk about. Witness to these ends. Why? Because every believer is to witness about Christ to the world. That's a stewardship that we've been entrusted with. Be my witnesses. In your city, in your region, and abroad, everywhere. Everybody should know about Christ. Why? Because Christ died for every person. Here's a good way I like to sum it up. Every believer in the church dispensation is a minister to the body, discipleship, and a missionary to the world, evangelism. Now the church dispensation is like the law dispensation in that God is calling the nations to Himself, but He's choosing a particular way of which He wants to get that done. Israel's call was to stay and obey, right? Right? Go into the land, set up camp, build all these things. Houses have have enterprise and trade and all this stuff going on that's fantastic. Keep my statutes and commandments. And by doing so, that obedience will radiate into the nations and they will be curious about what's going on. Even in Solomon's time, the Queen of Sheba came up to figure out what in the world is going on because there is no God like your God. i got to know about this. Sorry. Boop. Go back. But the call of the church is to go and proclaim. We're not called to sit and stay. Somehow, sometimes I think we got the directions for Israel mixed up with the church. Yes, no, we're not like that. It's true. Are we prepared? In fact, I'll tell you what, at the end of this month, we're having evangelism training. How do you put down on paper and be willing, find a way, a good orchestrated way in order to share your personal testimony about what Jesus has done in your life? We need more testimonies. God's always wanting to do something. The question is, is are we willing to turn around and tell people about it? So if that's the case, come to evangelism training. If you don't have a method of sharing the gospel, come and talk to me. I will sit down and meet with you and help you with a method of how to share the gospel with people that's incredibly effective. We've got to know these things. We've got to know these things. If we're not participating in witnessing, are we really being faithful in the church dispensation? Acts chapter 17, let's turn there. We're in 15 right now. Turn over two chapters. Paul is preaching to a bunch of smart people. But the problem was, is he brought up this crazy idea of resurrection. And everybody thought, whoa, this is different. We're not used to this. So let's set him in a circle and we'll all gather around him and hear what this kook has to say. If anything, we'll get a good laugh out of it. And I love what Paul does because this is the whole, I see that you love to worship and you're very religious. You've even got an altar that says to an unknown God. Can you imagine a society gone that far to where they don't even really know what they're worshipping, they're just worshipping? I can. Welcome to America. Here it is, chapter 17, verse 30. Watch this. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, past, which would include the past dispensations, God is now, does this sound like the revelation is progressing? It's now declaring to men that all people everywhere, the nations, Every person, Jew, Gentile, does not matter. Should repent. Change your thinking. You've got to think differently about this situation. Why? Because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world. There it is. Do we need to tell people about the coming judgment? Paul thought so. In fact, Paul brings up the judgment before he ever brings up Jesus. Think about that. We've got to tell people about the consequences at hand. Let's see, uh, which he will judge the world in righteousness, there's the standard, through a man, capital man, right, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. The resurrection of all things was done for the clear purpose of having a living judge that would execute judgment on the earth. That's one of the reasons why he was resurrected in relation to. To the lost. Man, that sounds so harsh and so unkind. Let me say this really clearly. The sinker sensitive church has done nothing for Christianity. By us glossing over the idea of sin, blood, hell, lake of fire, the cross, and the fact that a man had to die there, that we would have crucified ourselves had we been in those shoes, we have got to get over our self righteous and shielded thinking. And we have got to recognize there are people who are dying and are going to go to hell and end up in the lake of fire unless they hear the gospel. And if we're not telling them about Christ, who's going to? One well, of the greatest mistakes we ever make is, man, somebody should really tell that person about Jesus. Yeah, they should. That doesn't mean, call me and, can you come tell this person about Christ? I know if people do. Well, if I can just get them to church, you'll tell them about Jesus, won't you? Well, I hope they hear that, but I hope they hear it for you before they ever get in the door. Every single person has been commissioned with this. Every single person has a responsibility to share Christ. Just real quick, if you're an introvert, I recommend tracks. We've got a lot of them out there. Moving on. Let me give you this. You don't have to turn there. This gives us another idea of what's going on with the church. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's why we were saved. There is no way I could have got rescued out of a certain destiny in the lake of fire if Jesus wouldn't have taken the initiative by God's love to get involved in my situation, to die for my problem, forgive all of my debt, and then exalt me into a place right next to Him in heaven? What in the world is going on with that? That thinking makes no sense whatsoever unless... God loves you more than anything. If God loves you more than anything, then where He wants you to be next to His Son, good grief. Take that to the bank, man. Think about that before you go to bed. That'll get those good dreams going. For you once were not a people. At one time a church didn't exist. But now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy. But now, in this present time, this present dispensation, God has opened it up so that Jew and Gentile could be one together with Christ as their head. What's the failure? I want you guys to turn to these because they're important. 1 Timothy. Go to your right. Pass 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. But get familiar with those because we're going to come back to them. Go to 1st Timothy. It's right after 2nd Thessalonians. 1st Timothy. I'm not going to do the joke. Stop it. You're expecting it. I'm going to confound you with my restraint. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. I'm sorry, starting in 1. This is Paul writing. Pay attention to what he says, please. The failure happens, yes, in the world. You can't expect anything more than that. But people who have the Holy Spirit do not have it all together. So there's going to be something that happens. Now, from what I'm getting ready to show with you, you can lick your finger, hold it to the wind, and tell a lot about what's going on right now in our very time. This is highly applicable. Look what he says in verse 1. The Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will fall away from the faith. They were believers, and they end up rejecting the Word of God. Watch this. Paying attention to deceitful spirits. Everybody see this? And doctrines of demons. Notice this. This isn't just, you know, Richard Dawkins came along and came up with a convincing argument for no God. That's not what this is. It is supernaturally and demonically motivated. When people fall away from the Word of God, Satan has gotten in the midst of that situation. Pay attention to this, guys. That's where it comes from. Notice, by means of the hypocrisy of liars... Seared in their own consciences as with a branding iron. Man, what a what an illustration. Can everybody just hear it? It's like when you flip over a steak for the first time. My conscience, somebody take it red hot and just and cauterize that thing. Because notice, what does your conscience do? Everybody remember the dispensation of conscience? You now know right and wrong, so you can now operate according to right and wrong. I don't care about right and wrong anymore. I just want what I want. And notice that it's demonically motivated. Verse 3, Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. What are the two main markers? The demonic spirits have gotten into a situation and messed it up. A, they're going to forbid marriage. Number two, or B, they are going to advocate abstaining from foods. Sound like anybody we know. Notice all things have been created by God. They're to be gratefully shared for those who believe and know the truth. Why? For everything created by God is good. Well, if you're really saved, you won't do that. Well, if it's sinful, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Ladies, you can wear pants. Does everybody know that? Just making sure we're not stuck somewhere. There are more Bibles than just the King James Version. Are we clear on that? Just making sure. People get hung up over the silliest thing. Well, you're not saved if you're using that translation. Well, my translation's more accurate than your new King James or your King James, whatever. People get hung up over this stuff and create legalism. Notice nothing is to be rejected if it's received with. As Chuck said, an attitude of gratitude. Exactly. For, why? It's sanctified, it's set apart by means of the Word of God in prayer. If you know what the Word says about it and you've prayed about it, that's all you need. You don't need anybody else. Anything else is demonic. Look over at Second Timothy chapter 3, which is the next book. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verses 1-3. through 3. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. Although they have denied its power. What are we supposed to do? Avoid such men as these. Is that from inside the church? You're absolutely right it is. Well, if they're doing those things, could they possibly really be saved? Yes. Because they didn't have to do anything to be saved. Christ did it all. So they're saved by faith. But let's be honest. You ever met a brother or sister who's fallen off the tracks? And they're as bitter about the Word of God as you've ever seen. How in the world could you hate the Christ that rescued you from the lake of fire? The world has gotten in there. Demons have gotten in there. Spirits have gotten in there. And led them astray through lying. That's what's happened. They've bought into a lie and they've been taken away from that. How should the church treat such situation? Tell them the truth about it, but guess what? Avoid them. don't have anything to do in a situation like that. How did it happen outside the assembly? You don't have to turn there, but this is a good one to know. 2 Corinthians 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, the lost, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, lost, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Notice, even if our gospel is veiled, which precludes the idea that the gospel was being shared with them, but they're rejecting it because of something that Satan has done and putting blinders on their eyes. One of the greatest prayers we can ever offer up in order to evangelize people is, Lord, please remove Satan's blinders from their eyes. That way they can see the light of the gospel. Let's not pretend that Satan isn't all up in their business trying to keep people from seeing Jesus Christ for the Savior that he is. Another one, 1 John 4. If you would turn with me to that, just turn to your right. You're probably still in 2 Timothy. Just turn right a little bit you'll end up in 1 John. It's past Hebrews. It's past James. 1 John 4. Again, pay attention to the spiritual nature, the supernatural nature, the demonic influence in these situations of where we're at right now. He says, Beloved, do not believe every... Notice this. Spirit. Everybody there? Okay. Do not believe every spirit but test the spirits. You know, you and I are supposed to test the spirits. When somebody comes along and has something to say, where's this coming from? We have to test it. How do you do that? Test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. Because many, here's the problem false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Here it is. Every spirit that confesses. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You know what that means? The incarnation must be affirmed. They recognize that He has come to earth. And if He's come to earth as a man, it it, it precludes the fact that He's died on the cross for their sins. He didn't just die as a spirit on the cross. He was actually nailed there in a human body. So notice the idea of the incarnation is indispensable in this situation. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that is from God. Now, here's a problem. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist against the Anointed One. That's what it means. Notice that John is writing about this in his day. This is in the first century A.D. He's writing already about the spirit of Antichrist. Watch this. Of which we have heard that is coming, is coming, which precludes that it's what? Future. And... Now, presently, during the church age, it is already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist has been here ever since the inception of the church, at least. Just waiting. Just waiting for whoever to lead astray, for whoever to delude, for whoever to get tripped up on silly situations instead of keeping Christ as a central focus. You are from God, little children. And have overcome them. Notice that. You've already overcome all this stuff. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I don't need to listen to all that crazy nonsense. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than the one who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is greater than the spirit of Antichrist. Why? Because he's God. Notice it says here, they are from the world, therefore they speak. This is the medium. The words. I'm all for helping people out, socially speaking. But again, if we fed, clothed, and educated somebody and we didn't tell them about Jesus so that they could believe and be saved, we've done them a massive disservice. They are incredibly comfortable and lost. That's a problem. That's when we don't keep the main things the main things. They are from the world, therefore they speak is from the world, and the world listens. It's a message they love to hear. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. They will reject sound doctrine. By this we know A or yeah, A, spirit of truth, B, the spirit of error. This is the problem. Within people are going to fall away. I don't want to hear the Bible anymore. La 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 la. Outside, Satan is all over it, causing people to be deceived. It's a highly supernatural situation. What is the judgment that happens? Turn with me please to 2 Thessalonians. Turn back to the left just a little bit. 2 Thessalonians 2. What is the judgment? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Pay very close attention to the language, what's spoken about, and the timing involved. Watch this. Paul is writing to believers. Now we request you, brethren, saved people, with regard to, one, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and two, our gathering together to Him. Now here's what's interesting. What is this talking about? The rapture. Have you ever stopped and thought that the rapture is judgment against this world? Let me show you why. Notice that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a, pay attention to how this happens. Number one, he brings up a spirit or a message. Notice that that's verbal. So that's the medium it's translated through. Or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Every time, I'm going to say this, and some of you, if you've you've studied into this, you're not going to believe me at first. I encourage you, check it out in the context. Every time that the Apostle Paul uses the phrase, the day of the Lord in the New Testament, he's always talking about the rapture. Every time, he uses it about seven or eight times, he's always talking about the rapture. Just get out your literal word and type in day of the Lord and look at Paul's writings. You can go through and study every one of them. So notice, how are they going to get shaken and messed up? Somebody came along and told the Thessalonians, did you know that the rapture's already happened? You mean I got left behind? Yes, Nicolas Cage, you did. Right? Scary thing. How would you feel about getting left behind? If you were a believer in Christ, you would stop for a second and say, what in the world happened? Everything with being a believer in Christ was to rescue me out of the wrath to come during the tribulation. And so in doing that, I'm his, he is mine, he's promised to come back, he's prepared a place for me, and he will take me to be with him always. I thought Jesus promised this. What happened? You know what happens at that moment? They start doubting their salvation. Did I really believe? Well, maybe I needed to do something. Maybe I should have walked that aisle and prayed that prayer and blew my nose in that hanky in order for Jesus to know that I'm really serious. No. Somebody had come along, noticed that it's demonic, a spirit, and had stirred them up to try to make them believe something that hadn't really happened. They were told the rapture had come. No, it had not come. Look what he says. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy, there's been a lot of debate about this word, but I hold fast to believe that it means the falling away from the faith. The apostasy comes first, notice the order, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who's the man of lawlessness? The Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is already here has been waiting for this time. Now watch this. If this is the Antichrist, and we know that the day of the Lord, which is the rapture, is not going to come until these things happen, it means that we will be in the midst of experiencing the falling away of the church, and I believe that right before we're snatched up, I believe that every believer in Christ is going to know who the Antichrist is before we're taken. I think that's going to be a really good indication for us. Oh my gosh, it's... I think that's how it's going to go. I think we're all going to come to this like, oh and then then we see Jesus Like, that's not the guy I was looking at but praise the Lord you know it's going to be a great time notice he's the son of destruction what's he going to do he's going to oppose and exalt himself above every so called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God displaying himself to be God which is the holy of holies which tells us that the temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem on the temple mount during this tribulation time so that this can take place we'll talk about that later Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? Now, if we're in 2 Thessalonians, and I don't hear too much about this necessarily in detail in 1 Thessalonians, I want to know where 0 Thessalonians was. Because I want to be in on this conversation. And you know, know, watch this, what restrains him now, the him here, Antichrist. Now, this is in Paul's day, presently so that in his time he will be revealed in the tribulation. We have so much information about this to know. At a time, the Antichrist will be revealed. How does this happen, Paul? How is it that the rapture, remember our original question, how is the rapture a judgment on the world? Watch this. For the, here's our $5 word, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What we previously might not have understood, but now we're seeing. it. Only he who now restrains. Pause. The restrainer is a he. Masculine pronoun. You know what this tells us? Holy Spirit. He who now restrains. Restrains who? The Antichrist. Will do so until he is taken out of the way. Time out. If you're a believer in Christ, do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Yes. What would be a time that the Holy Spirit would be taking out of the way? The rapture. If He is the restrainer, and He is what's holding back the Antichrist from coming into power and being revealed as the one world ruler that everyone will worship or be killed if they don't. then that tells me that the rapture is a judgment upon this earth. Why? Because the salt and light that we are as the church, the preservative that we are, the community of love, to love one another as Christ has loved us, when we are taken out of the way, evil is rampant. There is no restraint anymore. There's no straitjacket on the craziness of evil that could be manifested. And this is when you find that the world gets plunged into a deplorable situation of which they all come under the demonic guise of the Antichrist. It's going to be a horrible time. So where's the grace? Let's go back to Romans 11. I want you to see it again. I want you to mark it because it's such a pivotal verse. Romans 11, verse 25. I'm almost done. Don't worry. You're going to get to watch the Packers. We're okay. Romans eleven, twenty-five. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. We've got to know this. Paul was telling the Roman church, I need this to be in your mind. I need you to like get your brain wrapped around it so it really changes the way that you live and the perspective of how you understand your place in eternity as a church so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. It's meant to humble us. That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Does everybody remember that? At the rapture, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The church stops. There is no more church on the earth. That's strange for us to understand for people who believe in Christ after the church is gone. But this is the reason why I encourage you to take notes in your Bibles because we don't take our Bibles with us to to, to heaven. God, I'm good. I got the New American Standard. Okay. You're you're perfect now. You can read Greek. (gasps) You know, it's going to be cool. But what do we do? We leave them behind. I can I can't wait until somebody gets a hold of Chuck Ness's Bible. What in the world? This is what happened? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Maybe we should put out on our sign. If we get raptured, come in and figure out what happened. I don't know. But all this stuff laying around, all this information laying around, all this literature that's been published in this time. It's not just, it, it should never be for the purpose of, of just putting money in people's pockets but it's a left behind tract that's going to be here to say here's what you just experienced and here's what you can expect because we're not going to be here to say that anymore in our time here we were to make disciples and witness but there'll come a time when we won't be here last passage turn with me to isaiah old testament isaiah to the right of Psalms. If you hit Psalms, go to the right. Isaiah 54. What is the grace involved on the other side of this judgment of the rapture when believers who have the Holy Spirit are being removed from the earth? What is it that happens? Let's start in verse 7. This is Yahweh talking to His chosen people, Israel. And He's telling them the future. He's explaining to them about his relationship with them. Was Israel obedient or disobedient? Highly disobedient. Watch this. Look at verse 7. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. Pause for a second. Are the people gathered in the land? 1948? Did the people take possession of the Jerusalem Jerusalem? You who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to them. Did they take possession of Jerusalem in 1967? They did. Watch this. But with great compassion, there's the motivator, I will gather you. In an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But everlasting loving kindness. Here's what the word loving kindness means. It's the word hesed. We've talked about this before. And it means God's loyal love towards you. He will loyally load it. He's a devoted husband who will not cheat. He is the constant lover that will not be swayed any other way. He is the one who bears his heart for his beautiful bride to see at all times. And no one else is allowed to look at that moment. That's what it means. And notice that it's everlasting. It never goes away. He says, but with everlasting loving kindness, loyal love, I will have compassion on you, says Yahweh, your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. He made that decree. That's what we know as the Noahic covenant. But look what he says after that. So I have sworn I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loyal love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, Says. Yahweh, who has compassion on you. What is the grace involved in this situation? And I don't think I kept up on the slide, but that's okay. What is the compassion that's involved in this situation? The fact that now that the church has been taken to be with the Lord forever, God now brings Israel back to the front of the history and says we're going to finish exactly what we started here. I'm going to show you just how faithful I'm going to be in my word to you and all will be accomplished just as I literally told you it would be. Israel is not forsaken. They're not cast off. They weren't so disobedient that they got divorced from the family. He disciplined them, set them aside in a place of partial hardening, but in His compassion, brings it up three times there, and loving kindness brings it up twice. He draws them near again. And what is the tribulation? It is God working with Israel once again and through them to all of the nations in order to bring people to faith in Christ. Why? because he's getting ready to bring the kingdom onto earth. And at that point, it's over. At that point, it's over. So how do we understand the dispensation of the church? What's the responsibility? The world's commanded to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as witnessed to by the church. What are our responsibilities? Make disciples and evangelize. That's all we're supposed to do. If we're doing anything that's not that, we need to question where we are. What is our failure? The rejection of Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation in favor of loving self. We actually find in the New Testament the constant call is that lust overcomes love. That people love themselves rather than loving God. They refuse to listen to the Gospel. Judgment. It's the rapture which removes the Holy Spirit's restraint on evil, giving way to the tribulation. But what is the grace? Yahweh will turn His attention to Israel once again, bringing to fulfillment all prophecy. All prophecy that was ever made will be fulfilled in that time when the Kingdom comes. So. The question must be asked and answered. Can mankind govern well in response to the church? No. Don't get discouraged by this. Well, if they're not going to listen, I shouldn't share the gospel. Time out. You don't know who's going to listen. Whether they listen or not, whether they believe or not, however they respond to you, whether they're hostile or kind or they're just a walking Hallmark card, it does not matter. What matters is, is the Lord told us what to do. Are we doing it? He's given us all we need to know His Word. He's given us all the power that we need to get it accomplished. His Holy Spirit. He's promised to be with us until the end of the age. The end of what age? The end of the church dispensation. He's going to be with us all the way through. And guess what? When we're taken off this earth, the first thing we see is Him. Like that. He's given us everything we need. There's no reason for failure except one thing. I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. Well, I'm scared to death of what people might think recognize this the time for fear is not now god has not given us a spirit of fear he's given us a spirit of power love and self-control we can't do this in our own strength none of us can evangelize to somebody in our own strength but we can pray that he would open the doors and that he would remove satan's blinders off of people's eyes and give us the words to speak clearly and boldly that we could be witnesses for his glory Second note, if you're not in a discipleship relationship with somebody or you're not in a Bible study of some sort, get in one. This is the reason why I give you guys a lot of Scripture and a lot of heavy stuff. This is not the place for people to get saved. This is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. People get saved out there. This is the body of Christ. So we look really weird to lost people. And you know what? That's okay. They don't understand yet because they don't have the Holy Spirit. You want to bring them here to hear the Gospel? fantastic let me know i'll put my arm right around you and i'll say what zach meant to tell you was was that jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave let's talk about that he would never do that he's a great witness but seriously the time is short guys the days are evil and these last times this thing's going to happen and demons are going to orchestrate all of it we're seeing it we're seeing it all right enough brow beating let's pray God, thank You for the dispensation of the church. There's so much that could be said about everything that You've unfolded in Your Word for our understanding. We praise You, God, that we have more information than sometimes we know what to deal with. But we pray, Lord, this morning that the application be soundly upon our hearts. Are we making disciples? Are we sharing Christ? I think we would all agree that He's worth sharing. He's done an incredible work in our lives. Every opportunity you bring our way is an opportunity to talk about the Lord. I can't think of any more important subject that would be on our hearts or on our tongues than the person and work of Jesus Christ for us. If we find ourselves sitting here today and we don't have a love for the Savior, let's be honest about it. We're saved, but that's not really growing and we feel that. Lord, ignite our hearts in a better direction. Send encouragement our way. May the Scriptures just blow our minds. Work as only You can work on the inside for us to understand the great loving kindness that You have for us. The compassion. Your relentless pursuit of lost people. You desire for no one go to hell but for everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth father we have every reason to sing and rejoice and praise your holy name thank you for the mercy that you've done and may we live expectantly for that day and make the best use of the time as we have it now every moment is precious sharing the gospel and imparting the, the word of God in our families discipling our families seeking to speak encouragement and peace to those around us, talking to our lost friends about the person of Christ, the need for faith, and the coming judgment at hand. Lord, we see it. It's almost like this world can't get there fast enough. Satan is on a roller coaster going towards this. Lord, let us recognize our citizenship is not here. This is not our home. We have an eternal message and we have a short time as pilgrims in this place to speak about our Savior. Thank you for loving us tremendously and giving us such high stewardship. It is in Christ's name, amen.